Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. This episode of the podcast was recorded on the 1st of May, immediately after our last episode. Our topics of discussion were completely different from the previous episode, so there was little point in doing a part one, part two. Dr. Green enlightened us with his thoughts and experiences with academia, and we discussed the state of the public, private, and Catholic school systems, which I hope we get to discuss a little bit more in detail uh, in the future with uh, another guest of ours, uh, another returning guest of ours, I should say. I hope you enjoy. Sultry, the, the sultry tones of Dr. Green talking to me about space. Okay. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll start up a trend. You can follow me weekly. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just start funding me as I as I use uh, some ASMR type experience for you. <laughs> That's, yeah. I mean, no, but if you do ASMR, it might lead to like some awkward uh, pants situations. Just your normal voice is fine. <laughs> Whatever you're thinking, Pan has already invented it, so it's it's okay. <laughs> it's yeah, Cognac yeah. will be sitting there listening to you late at night. It's like I hope this doesn't awaken something in me. <laughs> oh, I'm three, sure. a- oh. three hours on the shape of rockets. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's awesome. Oh my god. Okay, so um, there was so a long time ago there was funding put out for research. Uh, uh, papers for graduate students and uh, money that came from government um, and somebody had submitted a proposal to basically argue and complain about the shape of missiles and rockets and basically suggesting that because the, it was a male-dominated uh, career path that that's why rockets were shaped like phalluses as opposed to other less aerodynamic body parts. Relatively confident a vagina wouldn't fly. Well, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be all flirty. Yep. It'd be all smacking itself so, together. Please let me include itself. that in the please, podcast, please. please. Yeah, so, <laughs> nobody it, even it, knows how that would, a vagina would fly. Yeah, you hit it right on the nose. Right if it did, it would go <laughs> like blowing like blowing air over a bottle. So some 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 at York University. I know that'll shock you. York University decided that they were upset that rockets were shaped like phalluses and was basically a misogynist, male-dominated environment. It suggested that rockets need to be redesigned and missiles needed to be redesigned to be more inclusive and equitable. Well, the silos already look like a tit. Fucking stupid. I know, but they spent thousands of dollars on this study. And uh, I remember this. Why don't I get government grants to do Just talk to NORAD. There's a hole that opens up out of the ground and a fucking phallus shoots up out of it. It's like, there's your hole. (laughs) Let me just Google the. I'm going to see if I can find the paper. Are the phalluses supposed to shoot in? Because <laughs> this is fucking. But I mean, they could, a vagina gold. could fly if you kept the whole fallopian tube structure to flap like a bird. <laughs> Use the uterus as ballast. It'd be more like an airship. It'd be super slow, but. Oh God! No, I think I think I think I think we have uh, Mio's or Leo's uh, set, uh, aircraft that can that flap or a bit like yeah. long wing. The name, the name of the paper, I, I always remember it was called Tales from the Shield, is what it was called. 
it was called Tales from the Shield, and it was called the uh, the, the the missile is the phallus and something, and it was the York it was the York Center for Security Studies at York. The missile is the phallus, and if the Cold War goes sideways, Moscow is the womb. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just got dumber. <laughs> like wow, like forget about physics and math, you know. Let's just come up with let's just genderize, you know, basically science. So uh, I was, yeah, and 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 that's just one example. I see stuff like that all the time. <laughs> so it just reminds. There was actually an article. I, I've shared it with rocks in the past, but there was an article written. It was published in a number of gender studies publications, and it was about – it was something – the title was something to do with the um, the conceptual penis, something like that. But essentially what it was was it was an, an independent study um, from, a, from a university in the United States where their hypothesis is with, by using certain buzzwords, you can get published in the gender studies um, – journals despite your writing making absolutely no sense and so what they did was they it, like if you read this thing it's nonsensical you have no idea what it is at the end of the day but it got published in multiple gender studies uh, reviews because it used like all the right kind of terminology well that was that was james Lindsay, peter bogosian and helen pluckrose these are uh, james yeah. Lindsay as a as a a mathematician. I want to say he was at Harvard or he was at one of the Ivy League schools. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, these are a group of three scholars uh, in each of their fields, and they just did this. They wanted to. Well, they were the challenging idea was, the academic legitimacy of the gender studies field. That's right. That's exactly what they did. And in some cases, they won awards for some of their some of their their published journals. It was insane what they had done. It was uh, it was a hoax, a complete hoax. But they were, you know, they I think they did an interview. James Lindsay did an interview with Joe Rogan last July, I want to say. And, yeah, they talked exactly about that. They talked about like how uh, how uh, like they they spent like five months or six months. Or it was like two years in uh in in dog parks in fucking um what's one of the the most liberal states there Connecticut in in the U S not Connecticut it was the Delaware. other one uh no no uh Portland Portland Oregon that's the opposite coast uh, okay, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Portland Oregon so uh so they, they 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 these guys they said that they went to they spent two years going to dog parks to determine this uh whether or not dogs were homosexual um by how they humped <laughs> yeah how they humped like yeah. if they how they humped other dogs and stuff like that is like that, something that, fucking that crazy yeah. and the name of the paper was like heteronormativity or something like that it was insane it was brilliant and then they they took that and they said well we need to go into we need to go into nightclubs and we need to basically train men the way that we train dogs so that way you know it is fucking bonkers but like it's complete fake journal articles and they they published this shit and they actually got fucking awards for it because like it's like it's an it's it's almost like it's an institution 
full of people that have not been challenged because of whatever tenure, all kinds of other things. They have not been challenged because they don't. And then they're just they just engage in 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 like what South Park would call self uh, fart sniffing, basically. But they don't want to end up with a harassment complaint, so they don't challenge them. But I think it's Uh, Dr. Green's turn. No, I was just going to say, you've seen, like, you've seen, like, from some of the things that happened, like, with Jordan Peterson and, you know, some of the others, like, you can see what happens when you do challenge the system. Academia is not what it used to be. What I went through as an undergrad, compared to where it is today, is a very, very different uh, environment altogether. And, uh, And also, too, like, the, you know, it went, I probably entered university at the very twilight of when academic institutions still felt their primary role was to advance knowledge within society. Even then, it was probably starting to sort of fizzle out, but certainly today, they are businesses first and foremost. In fact, University, I think it was University of Calgary, they got in trouble because they had referred to their undergraduate students as BIUs, a basic income unit in an annual report, and they didn't even treat them as, as actual students in campus. They basically they were counting them as monetary income units for the wow. budget. And, and that just goes... Well, but- so they cater. In fact, if you go, sorry, I was just saying, let me wrap up. If you go to actually a lot of university websites, you'll see that they don't talk about academics like they used to as the primary attractor. They talk about student experience and student life. So if you go to website homepages, what you'll see are students having a great time at a party, not sitting in a class excelling and learning, because that's not what universities are covering for. Interesting. Yeah. So, so, so what uh, Dr. Graham was talking about is is uh, there is a Around the 2008, 2009, there was a big, a big uh, shift that occurred, and we saw that with the commercialization of education. And what was happening is academic, uh, what businesses were doing is they recognized that there was going to be a surge in learning demand, um, and what they what businesses would do was they would seek out. Um, uh, schools that have weak financial sheets, and then they would go and um, they would go and seek them out, bail them out, and then commercialize their products. Because what the business couldn't do on their own was get the education charter. Education charters were, and th- that sanction was harder to get than the business license. So by fusing the the, uh, the money into the bi- into the education, they were able to commercialize it. The, one of the first uh, com- first organizations that were like that was DeVry. Oh, yeah, okay. DeVry University in the States. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's certainly true. They, they, um, I know, like, at Harvard, for example, one of the most popular courses they run is Computer Science 101. And the reason why they run it all the time is because they realize that it's an online course. So you register for it, you pay your tuition up front, but less than 5% of the class finishes the course. So it's like money in their pocket, right, with, with very little effort, because 95% of the people that start the course basically give up on it, which means they don't have to do the work. They don't have to mark the assignments. They don't have to award the uh, certificates or whatever, the graduation of the grades. So they love doing you know, massive online courses because most students will either take forever to finish them or won't finish them at all. But that doesn't mean they don't get paid. It's way better than having to bring students into a classroom. Anyways, my, 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 the fact that they're working in the sun all day is starting to kick in there, big guy. So is it hitting you hard? What are you working on? 
So I cleared a quarter quarter acre of brush and I planted ten trees and I hauled four yards of gravel and. Wow. Hence why, hence why you're drinking whiskey out of a uh, out of your protein shaker cup again. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't look like whiskey. It looks very non. It looks very. Uh, it looks more like very well hydrated piss. If I'm gonna be honest here. <laughs> That's just a, well, but like I said, I gotta hydrate after working out all day. So. I, have a, I have a I have a clear whiskey. Um, it's called Paul Lugar. I'll go grab it so you guys can see on the camera. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I'm all I'm just being an ass. All all whiskeys are clear. When they come no, with a the still, they come with a the still. They're all clear. So this Paul Lugar is, it's a cross between <laughs> a vodka and a whiskey. It's technically a rye, but it's aged in uh, copper pots and not wooden barrels. So it stays clear. doesn't take on any of the color. That looks awesome. Nice. Cool. But I'm going to sign off here, guys, if that's okay. Thanks, uh, Dr. Yeah. Green. Yeah. You have my permission. <laughs> that's it. Thanks, Whiskey. Have a good night. Okay, he disappeared from the from the stands. All right, now we can talk shit. <laughs> While yep. you guys, Konyak, you go ahead. Why is whiskey so opposed to like you doing a wrap up? He's opposed to me doing a wrap up. Oh, I just noticed it last time we all talked to when we did four wrap ups and it was just. A <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was aware that we had done three other wrap ups. <laughs> nope, he texted me about that, the, that extra screen I got from Amazon. So he remembered. <laughs> which shocked me. Yeah, he gets <laughs> at the end of the of the podcast and he's like, OK, we have to have a proper formal wrap up. And then he's like, Kink. but it's good, though. It's good. It's good material. <laughs> yeah, it's all. Yeah. It's well, entertaining brother, to listen to. It was. It was very entertaining. My brother uh, sent me a message uh, yesterday saying that uh, it was it was a great great episode. It sounded like uh, we're really evolving. He says it sounds like uh, it sounds like we were like Fraser. It's like we are the polar opposite of we're like the Canadian version of Fraser. There's like intelligent people talking, but there's a little bit of zany kind of uh, humor thrown in there because I kind of balance things out with my dumb ass. Um, I can't and then there's irreverent either. It's yeah, that, that doesn't that doesn't hurt, I suppose. It doesn't help, but it doesn't hurt either. Yeah, <laughs> no one's going to listen if it's not entertaining. It's got to be. Well, there's that. The there's the other part too. It's like <clears throat> I was thinking about that. It's like we're like we're like the polar opposite of Letterkenny. Oh wow! You guys watch that show? Yeah, a couple. I've seen a couple episodes. Not a lot of it, but I've seen it. Not for everybody, but I love it. It's a fantastic show. Most people, most people my age, most people uh, that I talk to, they really thoroughly enjoy it. The yeah, whole to be fair, the whole to be fair thing that I brought up in the last couple episodes there, Cognac, when you said to be fair or anybody said to be fair, that's from Leonard Kenny. Yeah, that's a, that's you, a trope. You you like it because they're from Northern Ontario and you went to cow school somewhere in Northern Ontario. <laughs> That's not no. First of all, it's not in Northern Ontario, and second of all, I just enjoy it because I enjoy it. Is it, it, north, of, I is it north of Toronto, but outside of Ottawa and Kingston? It's north like directly Ontario. west. It's like directly like west Yellow of Knife. Toronto. Yellowknife. So is Thunder Bay technically, but no, it's Guelph University. Any any city named after a place that gets smitten by the North Gods? I mean, 
<laughs> yeah. But anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. I thought that was a, a pretty interesting comparison. Not that I'm trying to, you know, engage in fart sniffing or anything like that. Um, I'm actually trying to look at another um, podcast software that we could use that maybe we could include Dr. Green here to improve quality. So, Cognac, yeah, I mean, if you if you got anything, <clears throat> you guys also have to have Google Chrome apparently for this to work, but. Oh, for that plugin. I use. I'm gonna look at it. Because Microsoft can try and rebrand its fucking Internet Explorer as Microsoft Edge all at once. I ain't gonna use it. Microsoft <laughs> <laughs> Edge, not uh, not Internet Explorer. And I was like, well, it serves the exact same purpose as Internet Explorer does. Downloads Chrome. Yeah. <laughs> That's the extent of what it does. Yeah. It's like the what is it? It's like the RC cola of the internet browser world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's you know that's the thing. Like I mean, I'm going to upgrade my system here soon because I I made a choice to uh, get my new telescope instead of my new computer. <clears throat> um, but I will get a new computer soon, and I'll get a headset. Telescope. Yeah. yeah, tell us about that. God damn it! Why are you so cool, Doctor? Why do you live like twelve? If you have. A single motherfucking dinosaur book in your house. You are living 12-year-old cognac stream. I had a very Indiana Jones upbringing. Uh, my parents were antiquarians, and uh, I didn't have a normal childhood by any stretch. But, uh, yeah, I do have a lot of dinosaur books in the house. Um, but, no, I bought a new telescope. Yeah, I did buy a new telescope. I bought a Schmidt Cassegrain classic Celestron telescope. It's a refractor, and uh, it is fucking fantastic. It's got a computer in it. Um, it's got it's got a database for. So, can, are you able to like plug in if you're if you're looking for a particular uh, star? Or are you able to plug in its coordinates and it'll auto like? I don't have to do that. It's got it's got something called a go-to computer in it. So I took it outside the other night. I pointed it at three bright objects in the sky. It figured out exactly where on Earth it was, and it cocked up the database for forty thousand objects. So all I have to do is go into the little computer and say I want to look at this, and my little uh, computerized telescope just moves on its. Uh, on its azimuth tripod and just goes and basically but will it say like if you want to look at uh let's say you want to look at cassiopeia but it's winter time it'll be like sorry sunshine like can't be done from where you're at oh no no actually i get that right out of my back deck actually that w is easy to see well i use it i use it as a as a when i'm walking in the woods i remember impressing a girl once upon a time we were hiking (laughs) in the woods at night camping be careful. Like, I'm not sure we're going in the right direction. I'm like, we are. Our campsite's south of here. She's like, how do you know we're going south? I'm like, Cause you see that big fucked off W right there? That is south. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it's great. It's a, it's a great new telescope. It's something I've wanted for a long, long time, and I just finally you know, pulled the trigger. And of course, I feel like I'm being like punished because I've had two clear nights to, look, to observe since I bought the thing in the last two weeks. And like I said, then our fridge died this week. <laughs> so I was like, okay, <laughs> you know. I, I kept. I was like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have spent all that money on a telescope, but I don't really feel that bad. <laughs> Out of curiosity, what did it cost? Uh, so uh, a good this telescope will last me the rest of my life. Like it's it's a kind of telescope that I can I could get away with really good uh, observations. And so all in, it was about twenty two hundred dollars. That's not bad at all. And I got it from Toronto, and it got here in three days, so which is really good. Um, and once you buy a couple of new eyepieces, a couple of filters, and maybe uh, upscale the finder scope and a tripod, you may throw another 500 bucks into it. Um, but, you know, under $3,000. So basically, you know, if you buy a really expensive MacBook, 
Uh, well, no, but in, in perspective, like my race, my race kit that I needed to, to be able to, to race safely was $3,400. Oh yeah. It's a cheap hobby, but like, you know, I could, I could have bought two ATVs and you know, like, like the, the amount of money my brother spends on lift tickets for skiing is probably more yeah. space hobby. That's really cool. That's awesome, man. You got to, yeah. that's so cool. You know, and like, I, I know, I know that's the kind of thing that would get you a wedgie and stuffed in a locker in grade eight, but like, I yeah, think it's, really you know cool. what, you know what it gets you, it gets you into the top 15 of the fortune 500 this day. You look at the guys who are the, well, look at the guy who's the wealthiest guy in the world, right? Mr. Awkward. Right? Yeah. James Bond supervillain name. <laughs> right? He really does. And he's literally. Yeah. Like, you know, this, this here awkward kid, you know, and that's the thing, like the guys that were the, you write the wedgie in the locker, but they own, they own like the five biggest companies in the world, Google, Facebook, you know, Apple, Microsoft. It's the so, wedgie. So there's something I actually, I've, I've, I've actually, I've talked a lot of times with friends, but like, if I could go back to being like four years old, here are the things I would have done. Oh, yeah. Like. I would have done gymnastics as a sport because those guys are actually ripped. You'd have got made fun of doing it in school, but I'd have done gymnastics. You know, I'd have started racing earlier. I'd have done. I'd have learned an instrument. Um, you know, I'd have been less ashamed in like uh, you know grade six to twelve about interests in space and other academic things. You know, not trying to conceal it because it's the kind of thing that like once you hit your li- your mid twenties ish, it's it's liberating when you're finally just like you know what this is what I like to do, and and it's it's I guess this is like a, my my semi you know anti bullying. Uh, message uh but like people are going to be interested in different things and it takes all types of people interested in all types of things for the world to function so it, and it's interesting because i i went I wonder how many kids give up on those interests because they get made fun of and they just you know it's the old jocks versus nerds right it's the uh like i mean i i played rugby as well so that was my i played hockey yeah right and i was in i was in provincial rugby team so that was my counterbalance to my nerdy activities that i used to do that's what happened to your face <laughs> but yeah but no, no but it's just uh, you know we i think we i think we as uh, as people with bullying and everything stifles um you know and, and, and frankly like i can see interactions amongst kids like uh school-aged kids uh and it's it's horrific how they treat each other sometimes like absolutely destroy what someone's really interested in and really proud of because they're good at and and then sometimes that kid will just never do that ever again because they don't ever want to go through that social yeah the public uh, the public school system is a drive towards mediocrity it really is we're in the we're in a situation right now where we're probably you know well i was just say probably we are we're going to be moving our daughter into private school because she's curious she's smart um she's in a grade like she's in grade four but she's in a four five split class she's doing better than most of the grade five kids in the class so um you know it's just one of those things where you know you realize that you know we're going to encourage her to pursue those things but the school system that she's in really just wants her to run the middle of the road and well, because it's designed to create factory workers that's yeah, what yeah, exactly. It's rise to mediocrity, and she doesn't want to be mediocre. She wants to, you know, do the things she can do. Um, sorry, I saw that there. Uh, whiskey. What was that? You mean rocks? Uh, rocks. So I sent you both an invite on your emails to to a different recording platform. Okay. Uh, keep going platform. on with your. What's that? I'm not switching platforms again tonight. Yeah. Why next not? Time. Next time. Next time. Next time. 
No, I want to. Well, I, like, how will I know if it actually works or not? We can do a test during the week. You want to test? I guess it? we're gonna have to record a weed dram between you and me, there, cognac. Okay. <laughs> how many C bombs can I fit into a ten-minute recording? Oh, don't do that. We're a family show. <laughs> <laughs> Bullying is bad, Cognac. You were just saying. Sorry, where'd you send that? To your email. Oh, okay. That's why it's not here yet. Let's see. Yeah, it'll take a minute. Oh, God. I got it because I'm on Android. Dual processor. Oh, it's okay. A little Apple. So you're. So Dr. Green, you're talking about the current actual like high school uh, system right now with your daughter. You said or public school. Grade school. Grade school. They're hooped. They're hooped. I tell yeah. you, I, I, and I, you know, I understand. Like, look, you've got, you've got a freaking mixed bag in every class. Uh, you have to teach in the middle of the road. You have no choice. So the problem is that the public school has no resources and has no budget. So if you get kids in there that are smart and are bright and want to move forward, there's only one school in Kingston at the high school level that has an IB program, like international baccalaureate program. Uh, the rest of that, so that's only one public school. I did AP. I did AP in high school because it was the only they didn't have IB. Yeah, it's and that's the thing. Like, so there's really no opportunity. And if you've got a kid that's like that's smart and curious and doesn't want to waste their time, um, your choices are pretty limited. You either try to force yourself into the one school that's got advanced programs, or you slip over to the private school system. That's, I remember being in about grade six, and I was a huge fan of Stephen King books. And I was reading Christine, right? Which is oh, like, that's a classic. you know, for for a novel about a killer car, it was thick. It was a chunky boy, and um, I remember just finishing whatever the hell we were doing in public school. And I pulled out my book and I started reading. And I ended up getting sent to the office because I wasn't paying attention or wasn't doing my work or whatever, but it was done. And I, I remember my parents having a, having a conversation with the, with the, the school principal being like, well, if he's finished his work and he's getting nineties, he's clearly, and he's pulling out a book. It's cause he's clearly bored and he's not being engaged. And you know, you need to do something about this, but I was still the one that got in shit. Yeah, so, like, so the public school system has been like this for a long time. Because oh, yeah. they, 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 they manage they manage the, the machine. They're part of the machine. The, the, they're part of the factory. They don't manage talent. They manage their part of the factory. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're a bureaucracy like anybody else. So, like, for example, in our school, what happens is that so the kids now have figured out that if they misbehave, they get sent to the principal's office. The, when they go to the principal's office, because the principal's too busy, what they do is they hand them an iPad and they basically can watch TV while they're waiting for their parents to come get them or whatever. So the kids have now figured out that if they don't want to do school, they just, they just go watch an iPad. Yeah, they can basically purposely cause trouble so they can go watch an iPad over in the principal's office. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, it's just – so like I said, if you've got a kid that's curious and, and a little, has a little bit of you know originality ambition – it's a challenge to keep them engaged. Like my daughter burns through school in no time. And I mean, I went to public school. I never did homework in public school. I always finished. We had like an hour a day in high school, which was called MSIP, like mandatory study something period. And I would manage to do all of my homework. I never brought homework home. I would get everything done in that hour. 
it was just, you know, I used to, I had friends who went to private school and I used to borrow their reading lists so that I could read what they were reading because like what we were being given was just junk most of the time. Because it was Lord of the Flies, stuff. Romeo and Juliet. It was mandated by the school board. So it was just, yeah. yeah. The Stone Angel. I hated that book. Oh. I remember we had to read The Fifth Estate. Oh, yeah. 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 I remember that book. Catcher in the Rye. There's a bunch of classics you had to read. Yeah, Fahrenheit 451, uh, like I said, Animal Farm, Lord of the Flies, all that kind of stuff. Hey the Metal. I think hasn't hey been metal? updated since like 1972, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think hey, I think Hey Metal was one of those books. Hey Metal was a good book. It was like about uh, it was like a, a about a boy come uh, becoming a man, that kind of thing. I don't know that book. That's I think cool. it's about a, a kid who. I think he's estranged from his father, father, or some sort of father figure, and he goes and works on his ranch. Oh wow! And uh, he learns how to become a man, you know, over time, that kind of thing. It's kind of it is coming of age kind of tale. Interesting. Can you write about that? Can you make people read stuff like that anymore? That's a great question. That's a very good question. Because people will, I, I, my, my, in my head, people will say, "Haven't we heard enough about that?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> haven't we heard enough about the, the white boy's tale? There's a few people out there with that that opinion. Yeah, it's, yeah, you get what you get, right? Things change. Yeah, things do change. Okay. It is uh, it is an interesting time for watching kids. Well, well, you'll see this soon enough. There, uh, rocks. Um, kids get to school age, and you uh, don't fight the system. Make them your best friends. That's the thing. You got to be. You, you become an active, uh, aware sort of parent in your school system. So. Make the school system your friend. Oh yeah, yeah. Like we're good friends with the principal. Like any bureaucracy. I know every teacher in the school pretty much. I know which ones are the good ones, the bad ones, the ones to avoid. Uh, That's interesting. We put our daughter in French immersion because it's kind of like private school inside the public school system. Uh, okay. French immersion classes tend to not have any special needs kids. They are smaller because they require because kids have to basically have more skills in order to be able to keep up because uh, most of them are doing their second language here in Ontario. Um, yeah. You know, you're gaming the system. It's it's it is what it is, right? It's not really fair necessarily, but but that's interesting advice. I've yeah. never heard that before. But I got to tell you, well, like, French immersion is definitely a good a good thing for them too. Yeah. Well, we were already going in that direction anyway, just because we want to increase their marketable skills. Well, and the thing is that you know your kid could end up like you know moving out west and never using French in their life, right? This but is it's true. More about it's more about the ability to learn in a complex environment, right? So whether so in this case, learning in a second language, right? That just means that your kid's going to be oh. more dexterous mentally than they would be otherwise. It's also generally speaking, like I, I make an effort wherever I go for any extended period of time to learn a bit of the language because yeah. you can never really understand how people think or their culture until you understand a bit of their language. Like uh, when I was in Sweden, for example, Swedes are famously um, informal and and they're seen as very direct and impolite, right? And one of the reasons for this is they'll walk into a store and they'll say, hey, uh, I need help with something. Which like if someone did that here, you'd be like, "What are you doing, mate? Say hello. Like, have some manners, right?" The simple fact is, their word for hello is "hey." Yeah. They don't have uh, they don't have a, a formal informal version of anything. Yeah, so the scene is direct, but and when you once you understand that quirk of the way their language works, 
Yeah, it just depends on your kid, right? Like, so I mean, like you know, my daughter would probably be just as useful for her to learn Mandarin or mm-hmm. as it would be to learn French. But honestly, um, you know, but it's just it's one of those things where you, you don't tell the Francophonie that. Well, you know, the assumption is, you know, you know I appreciate 10% of the Canadian population is a public servant. Uh, but, you know, assuming that my daughter does not want to be a public servant uh, in her life and she chooses one of the other professions out there, she doesn't need French. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. <laughs> so, you know, she wants it's to become a video irrelevant. You know, if she wants to become a video game designer, you know, her second language requirements are CSS and PHP. It's not going to be French. (laughs) Well, unless she works here in Quebec at Ubisoft, like her quality of life will just, not for employment, but her quality of life will just be better if she speaks French. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, but if she works in the Akabaya game market in Tokyo, she better learn Japanese. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. You know, so that's the thing. Like, I, I, the reason why we put her in French immersion really was because the, uh, the level of engagement is higher because it is assumed that the kids are more capable. And because French immersion is harder, it tends to bleed off a lot of kids that are just there to cause trouble or, or screw around or, or not pay attention. So you tend to get a little bit more of a focused class in general. I mean, like I said, it's it's a bit of gaming. Hmm. It's not, I mean, they still have their social problems. You're not going to defend, it's not like it's better, better in, this, in some respects, but it's just that it tends to be a little bit more engaging. And if you've got a kid that's ambitious or a kid that's bright, you will find that French immersion tends to uh, challenge them a little bit more. My parents actually wanted to send me to French immersion when we lived in uh, when I was a kid. We lived in Edmonton yeah. when I started uh, when I started school. But the only school that offered French immersion was like half the city away, and they wouldn't the the school system wouldn't do the busing. My parents would have to drive me, and both my parents yeah. worked just another starter. And that's the thing in Ontario. It's like, especially here in, in where we are, it's a boon, right? There is just there's probably not enough spaces for all the kids that want to do it. Mm-hmm. But, um, and like I said, even that being said, like we're already tapping that system out, so that's why we're looking at private school because, um, you know, I don't, I just, you know, I want to give my daughter the opportunity because I know that she will probably rise to the occasion. But it's just because of the house that she lives. Good, good for you though, because a lot of people have the mentality of like, well, I made it and I came from the public school system. So. Yeah. It's like, did you? I, I did. <laughs> I went through public school system. And Me too. I, and I can tell you that it's, you know, when you, it's the thing is that I just, I happen to know what's, what's possible and what's out there. So I, I would just want to give her that opportunity. You know, she may, she may make nothing of it. She may, she may go to it and just sort of go through it and then decide to do nothing with it, but that's her choice. But yeah. I don't want her to be on the opposite side of that coin where she really wanted to have that opportunity. And I was just too lazy to give it to her. <laughs> how do we still have a, how do we still have a Catholic school system in Ontario? That one boggles my mind. Yeah, I, I, oh, is that a thing? Because you can't discriminate based on religious experiences. I know. Yes, I know. They tried to open. There was talk, uh, They tried yes. to open a Muslim school, and there was outcry, and it was not allowed. But the Catholic. I schools. was just gonna say the hypocrisy is not lost on me, friend. <laughs> it's amazing, you know. The, the the education system in Ontario is still based on the 1870s agrarian religious. Yeah based uh you know school boarding system we haven't updated it in a century and a half and people wonder why public schooling is all screwed up it's because it's it's well neither of them have the budget to do what they're supposed to do maybe if you stuck them together and made one bloody school board out of it like yeah maybe 
I, I mean, it's it's weird though because there's all these like you know the problem with this, the public school system too is that um, because it's a petri dish for the ministry. Like if you go to a private school, right, most of them are nonprofit for business, which means that you're not subjected to the petri dish of social engineering that the that the Ontario ministries can can crop up with. So you know, for example, the hypocrisy of there's a spirit wheel over the gymnasium in my daughter's school because you know they want to recognize that we live on the back of a turtle and this is a great land that we all sort of in. So that spiritualism is in the school, but we're not allowed to teach religion in the school because of biology and science class. So, but the Catholic schools has religion class. Yeah, exactly. So, so my daughter's asking me, like, is there a is there a spirit in the tree or not? Because biology class says no, but the gymnasium says yes. <laughs> yeah, and much much like the teachers of gym, it's wrong. Yeah, like, I feel like this is a conversation where we need Rick James in because he's an actual teacher living in the system, and he would be able to bring a lot of insight. I'm sure. Yeah, I, yeah. For the teachers because they they have no lesson plans. They're subjected to you know ministry decisions. They the school board whatever pops out of the sky. I mean, uh, you know, like there's a couple of you know there's a couple of like say for example there's like three or four grade five classes in my daughter's school. And yet not a single one of them teaches the same thing. <laughs> so you would be like, okay, I can understand individual teachers, different approaches, but you think there'd be some, some, some consistency amongst the grade. There's none, yeah. it's nothing, <laughs> you know, it's because they have no guidance. They have no, they have no background. So, That's crazy. Yeah. Well, you can, you can look forward to it because you're, you're coming to it next. I know. I know. Well, I know more and more people my age who are going towards uh, homeschooling. Oh yeah. For a lot of these reasons, they're deciding to they're they're, they're fed up with. That's some how you of get the, a weird kid, man. That's how you get a weird kid. I've never uh, met a I've, kid that's not a bit weird. Like, like, I've heard. I've heard of some of the, Don't deprive them of that. Well, no, absolutely, I agree with that. Like, there's no way we're not. We were already putting our kids through um, basically nurse, uh, like nursery school or whatever, um, just so that they can get that social socialization with other kids. That's like, that is a huge, uh, huge driving force for us. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I feel like I've heard in the past like. Kids who took homeschool homeschooling are uh, like the the statistics are out. They're no far. They're no more different than any other kid who goes through a public school system. Your experience may be different based on the people that you've interacted with. Yeah, but but that's, okay, let's. We, we've talked a lot about the school system and the issues that, uh, with it. And I apologize in advance, I guess, to Rick James. But let's not forget what. <laughs> Let's not forget what the public school system really is, which came into stark contrast this year. The public school system is state-sponsored daycare. Yeah, I mean, does, does that's, that's a really good role. point. That's yeah. its primary role is allowing the parents to work. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and is, we saw this collapse not wrong. In space this year. Like, yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that like, you know, when we were kids, you know, parents could could assume that the school would provide you with education and parents would have their role in it. Now it's like my daughter goes to school, but I also understand that I'm going to have to teach her as well at home. I can't get away from that. But a lot, of my right. peers, a lot of my peers see school as like a handoff. They're like, oh, no, no, that's that's your job. And then they complain because their kids are not are not getting it or their kids are falling behind. And of course, that's you know, an excellent point. 
you know, and then there's and then there's like you know systems like Oxford to take advantage of that, where they just say, well, hey, we'll sort your kid out for money, um, but they don't do any better huh. job. There. But the reality is, is that you have to accept that in this day and age, especially because the teachers, to be fair to them, don't have any of the authority or to control children like they used to. They're, um, they they're not allowed to. You know, so kids know that they can act with impunity, which means that you have basically you know a, a box of chocolates showing up in your classroom every day. You don't know what you're going to get, <laughs> and so you know the, the teachers are basically powerless to really invoke the uh, the discipline that they need in order to do the lessons that they have to teach. And the parents have these really unrealistic expectations about what the school can provide because. Yeah. Look, and they go, oh, my kid's fine. How come my kid's not getting education? And you go, because it takes the teacher an hour to get every kid to stop talking just so they can start their lesson. Because well, maybe maybe your kid's not fine. Maybe your kid's a little asshole oh, because, of- you, because you as a parent are an asshole. And if you as your parent are an asshole, chances are your fucking kid's an asshole. Either an asshole or not paying enough attention to them. So the only the, they crave attention no matter whether it's positive or negative. The things I have witnessed, I tell you, and it, and let me let me caveat this by it has nothing to do with social or economic background. Like I I watched I watched kids arrive in my daughter's class with no real lunch and no food, where they were being basically pushed out of a BMW by their parent who was too busy to make a lunch for them because they had to get to their meetings. I watched a very wealthy parent hand the clothes to the teacher with their kid and they're still in their pajamas because oh they were late for a meeting. And so they were like, here, you dress my kid. I got to go. Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? We seen you know, my, my wife and I, we donated uh, socks and mittens to the teacher for the grade one class because kids were showing up in January, like just improperly dressed because parents were having a bad hair day or they were late or they were whatever. And so they would just bring their kids like in summer clothes. And it's like, it's fucking January. <laughs> Somebody shouldn't have had the fucking kids. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. That's why I, that's why I won't. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we, we know that's selfish. We are. We like a bagel in his lunchbox. Nothing else. Like he's got one plain bagel. And I'm like, you've got like a Ford F450 and fucking $60,000 worth of tires, you know, and I'm like, and you're, and you're basically giving your kid like a bagel for lunch. Like it's, it's, Maybe it's all the kid will fucking eat. That's it. But, yeah. but that's, that's the thing. Like, you know, and what, what kids need is they don't need money. They need parents with time. Right, and parents have no time apparently, and so the kids are a mess. Well, because well, we're parenting, parenting. No, 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 no. It's because we're not allowed to make them fucking work anymore. We used to be able to take them out to the fields or down in the coal mine or whatever needed to do it. Yeah. Go, Timmy, crawl up in that machine there. Little Johnny got his fucking arm stuck. Get up in there, get that free out. No, I'll give you a penny. But I don't want to anymore. Or fucking political correctness gone mad. What did Johnny do today? He sewed his hands together at the factory. Good for you, Johnny. (laughs) Well, you know, your mom wants to take them stitches out, but you know, it's all good. You learn. You learn. And and what did you learn from that experience? Not to do it again. (laughs) Here's a shiny penny, Zutroy. If you're. if you're really good and you dig more coal than the other kids, I'll give you an extra scoop of porridge, you know? <laughs> but, okay, okay. Without going too far into this. <laughs> but isn't isn't that a commentary on how, like, it, it's almost a bit of a segue. It's a, It seems to me like a commentary on how selfish people have gotten in the new millennium. How could they not? How could they not get selfish? 
with everything at their fingertips immediately. Oh, oh I, I totally agree. Yeah. The, 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 the fucking experiment in abject narcissism that is most social media. And, yeah. the, and the fact that social media influencers are a thing. What yeah. the fuck? Well, it's not just it's not just social media. It's like it's just tech in general. Look at like I can get a movie right now and watch it with you guys immediately. Without having to like pay anything other than what I've already subscribed to, yeah. Like I, I can, I can get that shit immediately. I can have that. Yeah. We're used to instant gratification. Yeah, but that's yeah. always that's always been there. I mean, you know, ever since we had the again, you know, you know, candle lamps and uh, the first motion pictures, like, you know, the the idea of instant gratification has always been there. It's just that you know we we are experiencing it in our own time in yeah. our own our own speed. Um, the yeah, hundred hundred years ago, people were decrying uh, newspapers because uh, people didn't talk to anybody anymore. They sat on the bus and read the newspaper. Yeah, right? like I think that yeah, I think about like my my grandmother. I mean, she was born before the age of flight, and she died when they were you know launching space shuttles every other week. It's it's you you have to put it in perspective, right? So like so for example, influencers. It's funny you mentioned that because my wife works in the entertainment industry, and and we use influencers for some of our clients. <laughs> Because they're quite, they're they're great at monetizing. <laughs> you know? oh, I'm in. I have my own. I have my own second business, and I'm in contact with a few influencers to work out. A, you know, it's a, if they've got, you know, five hundred thousand followers. That's five hundred thousand people that'll see your thing. It's a boom. That's business. right. Yeah. That's so right. There. We but, could use uh, some of those followers on this podcast. I'm just joking. Well, you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there there are things you can do. I mean, it depends how you know. Depends. Well, look, I sent you that sponsorship. That was like a super perfect fit, right? I did. I like that. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to think of something along those lines. It's funny. We're like, I'm 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 on fire with the segues today. It's funny talking about uh, uh, sponsoring and uh, and like advertising and that kind of stuff. And uh, one thing that I kind of wrote down in some of my notes here was, have you guys heard of this company called Cameo? Yeah, Cameo yes. advertising yeah. that's showing up on my social media feed. Make a personalized message. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, this is hilarious. Get a personalized message from a celebrity. Yeah. Most of these folks appear to be like B-listers of the B-listers. Oh yeah. Uh, and watch that. Yeah. In, yeah including Barry Busey to sing Happy Birthday to you. He will. That's like right. <laughs> Chuck Norris. You can get Mark McGrath, Ernie Hudson of Ghostbusters fame, uh, Gilbert Gottfried, Brian Baumgartner, the guy who played Kevin Malone from The Office, and Carol fucking Baskins will even send you a greeting, which yeah. is hilarious. <laughs> there's, uh, there's another website called Hey, Fox. all you cool cats and kittens. Just want to say it's Rox's birthday. Didn't come my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome oh yeah, man I, like i'm not i'm not slagging them for doing it they got to make a penny consider hey, you get, work okay. as short i will never hold like you know the way you hear all the time about like uh, particularly with musicians like oh he sold out it's like yeah, the only reason you're jealous is because no one's offered you a bunch of money to do anything if you're that's not right. an idiot you sell out that's like, right fun fucking fact like Quick, that's the capitalism doing anything capitalism uh, always wins yeah yes have a lot of youtubers right because 
YouTubers know like they, they eventually they have to like have a product sponsor right to raise money and of course they'll lose followers because uh, somebody will disagree with whatever product they promote but it's just the nature of the business man like you know it's show That's business right. not, not show friendly. I watch a, I watch a guy fairly often he does uh, he's got a, he's got a bunch of channels he does uh, you know geographics and biographics and stuff talks about everything but he's got like seven or eight channels to a total viewership of about, of about fifty million. Uh, uh, people per month, uh, and he he doesn't do YouTube ads because you can skip them. Yes. He's straight up whoever sponsors him, like it'll be either at the beginning or in the middle or somewhere in his video. He'll just spend you, and you can tell what they've paid for because he'll either talk about it for thirty seconds, a minute, or a minute and a half in the middle. Yeah. Of, so you can't just skip the ad. Well, I'm noticing that more and more with other YouTubers, they're doing the exact same thing. Instead of having the ad come on through YouTube, like interrupting the video, yeah, they just say, and this video was sponsored by, you know, Squarespace or something like that. Yeah, like all the time. This is a big one. Squarespace, Curiosity Stream, uh, fucking Dollar Shave Club. Audible. Fucking Audible. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of times I've heard about their products. Yeah. Yeah. And I bought them all. No, I didn't. Yeah, that's, that's the nature of the business now, right? I mean, they figure you get over 2,600 advertisements shown to you every day. So, you know, you think about it, trying to get someone's eyeballs onto your ad, right? It's. I, I won't lie. Like, I, I've, I've bought uh, off just like a Facebook algorithm, like, ad. I, it, it's clued me onto a company that I'd never heard of. And then I go do my research and I do check some reviews. And I've bought stuff not through the Facebook ad, but because like, I, I wouldn't have known this company existed otherwise. Yeah. Right. You're there getting a liter of Vaseline before you know it. Like it's, you're just like, Oh, I get my liter of Vaseline delivered by Amazon every three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, here's a question I have for you guys. When does the advertising go too far? Like at what point where you're just saying, it's like, fuck, this is annoying. Like, this is too invasive, and I don't give a fuck about your product. Seven or eight ads, seven or eight unskippable ads in a video or, like, a 15-minute like video or the massive crime against humanity that YouTube has decided to do with the 15-second unskippable ads and two in a row. Yeah. yeah. Now I don't even give a shit what you're advertising. If you happen to fall into one of those, you can get fucked and burn in hell forever. I don't yeah. care. And You're not selling also, anything important. Yeah, Facebook's also taken a, a, an approach where they'll drop the ad right at the critical moment of whatever video you're watching because they figure that because you're going to want to see how it turns out, you'll stick to the ad. And I walk away from it. I, you know, it so, annoys me. Yeah, exactly. It's so annoying. Like, you're, you're doing the lead up. It's like it would almost be like, you know, an intimate moment where you're about to go and then, they're, oh, stopping here for 10 minutes and then we'll get back to it. You just walk away. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be fair, all yeah. they're doing is doing the exact same model. Don't do it. They're doing the exact same model as sitcom <laughs> for years where they led to a thing and then commercial break. Yeah, I just... To be fair. Yeah. And the challenge is, is that, and of course, people are smart. And so advertisers have a double challenge, right? One is what I have ad blocker on my Chrome, so I don't get ads on YouTube. I can block out most of the ads I don't want to see. And algorithms are encouraging me not to see certain ads to see the other ads that they think I want to see. So, but you know, so the reality is, and of course, if I want something, I go look for what I want. I don't need an ad to come and tell me. Right. And well, the service that I use is no script that, so that even prevents traffic. 
that's right uh, being sent to other websites right it's not so much just that um i'm not getting ads it's that my data or my information is not getting sent to other third-party locations yeah. without my knowing because there's like cookies and shit that gets sent right yeah no. i also like using i use nordvpn all the time and i like to just yeah. switch, i like to just switch up my country from time to time and watch something on youtube and just watch the ads come in and like fucking Turkmenistani or whatever the fuck, you know, be like, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that's, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's there, fun. Are, there are websites that will actually sell your data for you. So you can actually get the revenue for your data stream. So like, for example, so if you're going to surf the web anyway, and you're going to basically leave a breadcrumb trail while you surf, some mm-hmm. companies have actually already started to set up and saying, Hey, rather than giving Facebook all your data for free, because uh, you're like you're like you know bacon in the barn for them so so to speak, um, and you're worth like six dollars to them or whatever. Um, you can actually get revenue for when you do your surfing, and basically, so you basically you turn your data over to this company, and the company will decide which which websites can have that data from you, and then you can get a revenue from. It. So, huh. yeah, so you don't have to give away your data. I mean, as it is, I've never I've never completed my Facebook profile. So as a result, I constantly get weird shit from Facebook because they're still trying to figure out who I am and what I do and where I went to school because I, yeah. I refuse to fill all that stuff in. Um, but, you know, if you would, if your dad is going to go out the door anyway and you're going to give it up, you can actually make some money out of it. It is funny how easily the, the, the megalithic giant that is Facebook that everyone's so afraid of can be defeated by the fact that you just put your – where you live as Toronto, and then you get a bunch of Toronto-based ads. It's like yeah. Yeah. You, you're not even monitoring an IP address. You're yeah. just taking the information I've provided you freely. Yeah, the great right. revolution in social media, and probably for a lot of internet businesses, is going to be is that people are going to start to realize that they can sell their data. Right now, everyone's giving it away for free, right? And and the companies love it because it's basically that's the revenue stream. But the day that people start to realize that they can give their data, it's like when you used to remember when we used to check out at a store and they're like, well, do you want to donate a dollar to whatever? And I'm like, no, I don't want to give your company a tax break. Here's an idea. How about you give me a dollar and I'll put it in my and uh, my family charity and, and I'll take the tax break instead of your company. Right. Mm. So, so that's the thing. And so when people realize that their data is worth money and they start to sell it as opposed to give it away, it's going to reshape the model. For a social and they will shame the fuck out of you too if you do not donate that toonie. <laughs> the, the one that the one that gets me all the time is when I'm I'm completing a transaction. Okay, I have bought an item. I have given you my debit card. I've I want to pay for this thing now, and they say I just need your email. I look at them. And I say no. You don't. No. <laughs> uh, can I get a phone number? No. No. Postal code? No. Well, I can't process a sale without a postal code because the company requires it before I can do the sale. Bullshit. And I say, well, you know what then? All postal codes follow this basic formula. A1A, 1A1. Enter that because I ain't giving you mine. (laughs) They want your postal code because they want to verify it against the data analytics that they've stolen out of your phone. To ensure where the trafficability of the population goes, so they know where to stick the next store, right? It's it's amazing that Starbucks is always conveniently located near where you live because they basically take all the DRM out of your phones and they see where the that's traffic crazy. goes, and then yep. they just they map the high traffic zones, and that's they, they where they dump. And the, and I mean it, it's a lot Man. like 
It's 100% what the government of Ontario did two or three years ago when we got legalized with not having any, not building any brick and mortar locations for two years. They had a massive warehouse and they shipped it to places. And then they could see where they were shipping it to and they were like, well, this is where we got to put our brick and mortar in. Yeah, absolutely. This is worthy of a whole other episode. (laughs) Good idea from the government. This is not just we dram shit. This is a whole other episode worthy shit. Like yeah. this is this is crazy interesting stuff. You could you could talk you could talk about data like tracking like you know so here I'll give you a, I'll give you a quick example. So I used to teach an elective course for a business administration uh, degree program. I got asked by a colleague to come in because they needed some electives. So we got into the discussion of privacy, and I was astounded because okay so the the students were basically high level college low level university students, and it was amazing how. They insisted that, but I used to give them this sort of, you know, Pandora's, you know, amphora uh, dilemma about, um, you know, whether or not you let your privacy out of the box. And it was interesting to see how they insisted that they retain their privacy, but they would never give up their phones. <laughs> so I sort of like, uh, you know, it was like an enlightened moment where I said, well, do you realize that your phone is tracking you constantly when it's off? So the people with vaccines, right? They're going to put a microchip yeah. and track me. So you no, care. No realized how much information <laughs> their phone, the GSM and their phones gave up and the GPS and their phones gave up on a regular basis. And the fact that every well, it's the same people the cat videos demands permission to use the microphone and the fucking camera. That's so right. It's the same people. It's the same people who complain about fucking capitalism while on their phones while riding fucking airplanes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same shit. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and so and so people, you know, and this is the thing that I think this is where the this is where the enlightenment will occur, which is that People, and I mean, I say people, I mean like the mass, the mass of people, suddenly it will become cognizant that they don't just have to give away this information. They can actually sell it. And that's where capitalism will, will take the turn. And the, some, some smart entrepreneur is going to be lead the charge and say, hey, listen, I'm not going to try to fit in with all the companies. I'm going to disrupt because that's normally how you approach a new business, right? You either try to fit in or you disrupt. So some company will come along and say, we're going to disrupt, can't disrupt the big tech giants right now without a massive amount. Yeah, but, you know, Elon Musk was the same thing, right? They said, there's no way you're going to take on Boeing or Lockheed Martin. Yeah. And by coming up with some reusable rocket shit, that's never going to work. So some and he company, did it. Yeah. Some company is going to come along and they're going to say, you know what? Fuck Facebook and you know Instagram and all these other companies that are taking your data for free. We're going to make a model where you can get paid for your data, and people will yeah. sign up for it in droves. Because when you offer people, well, <laughs> like, what's what's? I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if that's with, happening uh, already. So uh, people are doing it now. They're doing it right bit, now. Well, yeah, the problem is, is oh. that here, I'll, let me finish the thought. The problem is, is that it it's going to be the big tech companies, and this is to Cognac's point, that have probably already instituted uh, branches within their organizations to look out for those types of suppliers and fucking flush them out and and oh, like buy them and 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 buy them out or yeah. or basically just say and basically just fucking like get rid of that competition. Well, it will. It will in short. It's like it's like the five major banks in Canada right now trying to KG. You know, move around Bitcoin and cryptocurrency because they know they're going to have to, right? They have no choice. It's uh, organized crime. Yeah, but somebody—it's literally uh, organized crime. Yeah, someone will get lucky. They'll they'll build a company. They'll sell it. They'll build another company. Sell it. So Elon Musk, if you think about it, he built PayPal, right? And he sold it, 
and then he built Tesla, and he's you know, and so yeah. so you get a, you get a rock you get a rock and roller like that where they get to a point where they go, I don't actually have to play the game, I can disrupt the game. That's it's right. so weird that he kind of did nothing between PayPal and Tesla, though. For a guy who, yeah. like, over the last seven years, he's so driven. I know, I know. But he had like a twenty-year just nothing going on. <laughs> like, yeah. but, you know, it's funny. Uh, sorry, Cognac, you kind of shook your head about literally organized crime before. What I mean, I don't mean literally criminal. What I mean is, it's literally organized crime in the sense that they're adopting the same practices the, the word you're that looking organized for. criminal or, uh, institutions. The word you're looking use. for cartels. Cartels. Yes. Cartels, mafia, they we, they do the same shit. They we fucking, have laws against we have yeah. laws against monopolies as well, theoretically. That's right. Yeah, theoretically. To be, fair, to be fair, criminals built America. You know, the Hearsts, the Vanderbilts, the Guggenheims, they were they were the robber barons of their day. The Rockefellers. Yeah, they were I mean, so America was built by criminals. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's so, true. Yeah, some other some other guy, like some whippersnapper, Elon Musk type guy, is going to come along and he's going to figure out a way to disrupt the system, and he's going to, you know what? I can monopolize this and I can I can monetize it, and people can sell their data and benefit from it, and it'll turn the whole thing on its head. I mean, I wonder. Elon Musk has turned the automotive industry, the aerospace industry, you know, the, like the the rocks, right, the anchors, the unturnables of American industry, and he has flipped them upside down. Right. And so I'm trying to play catch up now. Yeah. So how, how many American, how many American car companies released an electric vehicle in the last three years? <laughs> they're afraid. They're scared. They're scared because they think he's onto something. They're like, so like ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, now nobody is because now you have legislation like I don't know about in Ontario, but in Quebec, they've said by 2030 dealers have to be uh, electric neutral, meaning that without selling a certain threshold of electric vehicles, they won't be able to sell traditional fuel vehicles. Oh, wow. Wow. That's 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 pretty strict. I wonder if somebody is doing I wonder if somebody is doing some sort like I like if there's any remote chance within our university institutions that somebody is doing. Did we lose uh, Dr. Green? Yeah, he's still here. Battery is starting to really get low here, so I'm going to turn my camera off. Okay. Well, well, I'll try and cut this short so that way we can, yeah, uh, I, if I you're able to find power. Portimao Grand Prix tomorrow, so I'm getting to bed. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I am curious, and maybe this is a parting thought, but I, I am very curious with the way that our university institutions are going, because we've already kind of had that discussion. So maybe I'll do this as a closer. Um, but um, if there's any hope for our university institutions, if they're actually looking into this, if they're looking into like a sociological uh, analysis on the outliers who, like Elon Musk, who are showing up and disrupting the system, like what, how and, and what does that mean for business? What does that mean for the economy? What does that mean for all the different like intertwined institutions that we that we have that are that are kind of they're they're semi not really all related to each other in one form or another i'm curious about that but yeah that's that that's a good choice something to reflect on until the next episode listeners Yeah, and if uh, if there is anybody listening who is in that field, fucking start that shit up. 
<laughs> All right, fellas. Uh, it's been wonderful chatting with you. This has yep. been uh, awesome. I'm going to call this uh, episode 58, considering it's about an hour in duration. And uh, it ex- it uh, we've gotten into a couple different topics, but um, I think we'll just call this one fuck around and find out or something. I don't know. <laughs> Do your little wrap up. Yeah. Here's the wrap up. Come on. Uh, well, I'm not nearly as good at it as whiskey is. What what did we talk about? We talked. Well, no, about no, don't summarize. Don't summarize. Just don't do your summarize. Wrap up. Just do your wrap up. Oh, oh, all right, all right. Well, I'm rocked. You're cognac. Dr. Green is still with us. He's yes, sticking around. He's basically become a regular. So thank you very much. Hey, yeah. Let's call this. Thanks uh, for let's having me. This, uh, it was a privilege. Yeah, this is great. All right, thanks, fellas. We'll see you next week. Cheers, man. finished the last one with john so now you're getting paul the track you're hearing is mrs vanderbilt by paul and linda of course you can't forget linda mccartney and wings fun little tune they recorded when they were in lagos nigeria back in 1973 from their most well-known album band on the run i may go on a holy quadrinity kick we'll see we still got two more left anyway chorus i just really like this part it's just a really well constructed tune hey so if you like what you hear leave us a like retweet us share us anything like that uh we need the we need the support from listeners like you uh and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of whiskey and rocks whether it's spotify itunes google play or wherever you get your podcast you can help us out even more just spread that word share us out um we're on twitter we are at whiskey and rocks one all links are in the description thanks again for listening and stay tuned for more whiskey and rocks